right, it's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. He is also the co-host of the Dallas Cowboys pre- and post-game show on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Uh, He's also a very proud former LSU Tiger, as you can see from the gear there. Uh, Some have called him the greatest deep snapper in the history of the program. It's Brian Baradas. Brian, how you doing? And that's the voice of Bobby Belt, who doesn't lie to you very often, but he lied to you right there. Uh, Bobby comes to you by way of the Sean and RJ and Bobby show, 530 to 10 every Monday through Friday. Bobby also uh, the Cowboy Insider for 105.3 The Fan. He is also a host as we're on the Love of the Star and the Draft Show. And hopefully we, get Bobby, we get Bobby back this week. So, uh, yes. Rob, Robert, they're making trades on you. They're they did. Trades. So the last time we talked... Uh, they had made the trade for Stefan Gilmore that I think we all universally and let me I, I made a couple calls around the league uh, in the last couple days and heard some Stefan Gilmore feedback that before we ju- jump into the Brandon Cooks trade, which is the breaking news of the day here. Um, I did call around, ask some people just in general. Hey, what are your thoughts on the Gilmore trade? I'm sure you did the same. Yeah, I did. Uh Brian, a couple of things I heard back that were very interesting. A lot of people still think very good player. Very, very good player. The The question, obviously, being a 33-year-old corner is it, it, it eventually it just goes over a cliff. It's usually a sharp decline for corners. And so you just never know when that year is going to come. But yeah. as it stands now, he's still a good football player. So the, the two things universally I heard back were stunned it was only a fifth-round pick. A lot of people thought it would have been more than that. And the bigger issue that I heard consistently, there were a lot of people who were stunned the, there was no new money in the deal for Stefan Gilmore. And so universally, people were like, this is a great deal for Dallas. This is minimal compensation. This is his cap hit is already 14th among corners heading into next year or something like that. And there's no new money in it. There's no new guarantees, nothing like that for him. Uh, universally, everybody I talked to around the league thought this is a huge win for Dallas. Yeah, no, uh, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I was talking to... Uh, some teams that had competed uh, against Gilmore. I mean, the Cowboys were one of them, but I never didn't talk to anybody with Dallas. It was funny. I just started calling around to try and get a little bit different perspective. And the thing that the my guys were saying is they said uh, they really liked it. They felt like he could still play. He could play inside. He could play outside. He could match up in, uh, with tight ends, with big wide receivers, smaller wide receivers. They felt like that he really prefers to play off and break on the ball uh, is uh, the kind of where his game is now. But very good instincts, very good ball skills, physical cover style if he has to play that way. Uh, they say we'll get a, a occasional uh, holding or P.I. call, but good in run support, good tackler. Might have lost a little bit of a step, but still athletic and plays like a pro. And the number one thing they were all talking about was this guy is really, really good in the locker room. And so with all the things that I was talking about just then or the what I just read, 
Uh, it seems like to me a, a very still a very, very productive player that the Cowboys uh, got for a fifth round pick. Yeah, so that was that we like I said, we've talked about the Gilmore trade, but that's some of the feedback we've gotten since uh, we discussed it. Uh, now on to the the next trade the Cowboys have made, and I think they've made two really good ones now. They get Brandon Cooks for a fifth rounder this year and a sixth round pick next year. Uh, the Texans are going to take on $6 million of his $18 million salary, so the Cowboys are saddled with a $12 million uh, salary this season, a cap hit that ultimately uh, comes out to be 12, uh, just uh, 12.352 is his cap hit in uh, 2023, which is really not that bad for what is still a pretty productive receiver. Brandon Cooks uh, has had six career 1,000-yard receiving seasons. The most recent one came in 2021. 2022 was a little bit of a down year, uh, just 700 yards roughly uh, receiving, played in 13 games, clearly was not happy there, wanted to get out of Houston, was Almost a Cowboy at the trade deadline. Cowboys thought they had a deal for him for a third rounder. And Houston at the last second started trying to shop and came back and said, it'll take a second now. And Dallas said, we're not going to play with moving the goalposts. We're done. So the fact that Dallas uh, gets away from that, basically misses Cooks for the end of the season. And then a few months later comes back and they get him for a fifth and a sixth when they were initially willing to give up a third, I think is huge. Especially when you consider, Brian, I, I know... Generally, the rule, right, is if you're a year out, consider it, you know, around later. So the value yeah. of a second rounder next year is considered a seventh this year. Yeah. So you basically get Cooks for a fifth and a seventh. I think this is great value for the Cowboys. $12 million hit for Brandon Cooks for a guy who is still, I think, very productive and will come in here motivated, ready to play, uh, and reunites him with Robert Prince, his receivers coach in Houston in 2021. Yeah, Bobby, you're absolutely right. And, you know, uh, Nick Cesario, the general manager from the Texans, he got a little greedy, got a little cute. And the Cowboys said, no, we're not we're not willing to go that route. And so, you know, they circle back around. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about Cooks, a lot of chatter about Hopkins, a lot of chatter about Odell Beckham, you know, but they went back to the guy that they felt like that the uh, they knew the best, and that was uh, with Cooks. Felt like they strong enough to make a trade last year. Didn't work out. Worked out this time around. I, I asked, again, some guys in the league about him. They, to a man, they were saying he could still play. One of the teams said we viewed him as a, a, a vertical threat with playmaking ability. He will stretch the field. The one the downside is, is they said, you know, not physical and, and not a blocker. But – you know, I'm sure that we're going to get into what he brings uh, as a route runner. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the vertical part of the game where he's uh, he's done a really good job of being that guy that down the field threat. But there are some other routes this guy can run and can execute pretty well. Yeah, in fact, I was uh, looking through his reception perception profile that Matt Harmon does, where he basically tracks the percentage of routes that guys are running on the route tree, how successful they are with them uh, and things like that. The 2022 data is not out yet, which obviously is, is a little bit of a unique situation given, I think what was going on in Houston and, and how happy or unhappy he was to be there. Um, but when you look at his, his route combinations, he was really varied. Uh, ran a lot of different stuff. Uh, he, he wasn't limited to just, you know, uh, he runs the same two or three routes. He ran just about everything. The most common routes he ran, though, Brian, 
Uh, 20% of the time he ran slants, 15% of the time he ran the nine routes, had a lot of success in the flat, uh, 90% success rate. That's one of the better rates in the league. So when you look at the way Robert Prince used him in 2021, a lot of nine routes, but a lot of slants and the success he has on the flats. And we know there's a lot of slant flat concepts and what McCarthy likes to do, uh, do you think this is just somebody who, hey, he really fits not only these changes that are probably coming to the route combinations on on offense for the Cowboys, but what he also does is can really challenge defenses down the field. He is a vertical threat who can do other things and and, and has shown, at least from what I've seen when I was watching him last fall, thinking they were about to trade for him when I was doing some research on him, Still seems like a guy who can also, despite his size, is a good contested catcher. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the better players we, we you could probably come up with, maybe in league history, one of the better players of all time that doesn't have a Pro Bowl appearance. Like yeah. He's just a really strong football player who I think largely has gone underrated, and this seems like good value for the Cowboys and what they're trying to do. No, I think you're absolutely right about the player, and you kind of always think about him being a vertical player, but... You mentioned the slat, uh, the slants, the flats, uh, those routes that you know that he's able to execute and come away with. Uh, you know, still a very, very productive receiver, uh, a guy that defensive coordinators have to be concerned about because of his speed and his quickness. And I've seen him over the years put a lot of defensive backs in some bad situations, and I feel like that he can still do that. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. How motivated he'll be. Uh, to be out of uh, Houston, to come to Dallas. The quarterback situation here, far better for him as far as you know, being able to uh, run those routes and have some success and be able to finish. So I, I think it's just an overall just a very, very positive get for the Cowboys. And you know, they've done a really good job here uh, You know, this offseason. I know we're very critical of them, of, not doing this or not doing that or sitting on their hands or, you know, oh, it's too expensive, sign our own kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've done a really good job of taking, um, you know, day three draft picks and going out and getting players, you know, to the point where that you fill holes with the, the Van Der Esch, the Wilson, you know, two of the more important signings that they felt like they had to have got those done. They got a quarterback that has a 5-1 and one career record as a backup in games where your starters miss. That has to make them feel a lot better about where they're at. But to go out and take uh, fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks, and, and manipulate them into players that can still play at a very high level, you have to give this front office credit for that. And, you know, and, and, and I'm sure those players, uh, you know, Gilmore and Cook's, they come in, they're all very happy about being here, and you see very productive players because of that. You know, the aspect here, and we we kind of briefly referenced it a, a few minutes ago, one of the aspects here that's probably a little underrated is the fact that Robert Prince did work with him in 2021. I'm guessing if the Cowboys make a deal like this, they're, they're getting feedback from Robert Prince and wanting to know, is this a guy that can work here? Is this a guy that can execute what we need yeah. to? And the fact that they were willing to do it in the fall and they're willing to come back and revisit it now that we're into, you know, the spring here into the the offseason makes you feel like he, in all likelihood, got the stamp of approval. There's a a couple quotes I wanted to look at really quickly. Uh, 2021, Brandon Cooks, 
uh, talked about how uh, with, with the Houston media said that you can tell with Robert Prince right off the bat that he's a coach that knows what he's talking about. Really smart. Great to have someone with his experience come in, help out. Uh, Robert Prince similar, similarly talked glowingly about him during uh, minicamp, said that Brandon Cooks shows the guys the right way to practice. Great leader, not a talker. He's a doer, very engaged and willing to take coaching. When your top guy is willing to do that, it's easy for the other guys to follow. Uh, and then uh, another thing, at the end of uh, the 2021 season, a year that didn't go so great for the Texans, uh, Robert Prince said that Brandon Cooks was the one in the locker room who stepped out and pointed out to everybody after the Jacksonville game that, hey, this is Davis's, Davis Mills' first win as an NFL starter, and that that made an impression on Robert Prince. is like, hey, this is a guy who thinks of other people and, and, and their successes and things like that. So it sounds like there's a really good relationship there between the receivers coach and Brandon Cooks as well, which, if we're being honest, in the past, there have been times where the receivers coach and some hasn't, been, hasn't been good. Yeah, hasn't been good. And so it it, it seems like a, a positive move in that direction that not only you're going to get a motivated Brandon Cooks, he gets to end up where he wants to uh, with a former teammate, uh, I believe, in Stefan Gilmore uh, and a guy that, that he's uh, friends with. Um, what you're also getting here, it feels like, is a player who's going to be motivated to play for his position coach and also can probably help communicate some things that Robert Prince would like to continue to teach in that room. Yeah. And, and let's, you know, if you go back and look at last year, um, look at the growth of CD lamb, you know, and what he was, you know, able to do. I'm sure that uh, sure that Robert Prince was working with him daily on things that he needed to improve with. But on the flip side, you could say, well, what happened with, it would happen with Michael Gallup. And I think it was more Michael Gallup than it was coaching or anything like that. I think that Michael Gallup was on his, I think there were some struggles. I think there were some struggles with the injury. I think there were some struggles with some of the stuff off the field that he was dealing with that, you know, hopefully he could put all that stuff behind him and be the type of player that we all have seen him uh, be before, but having Gallup cooks lamb, uh, I, I haven't given up on Jalen Tolbert at all. Uh, I, I think they're, I think he came in and uh, I think it just, it's like he got hit upside the head with a, with a shovel, you know, mm-hmm. he just, it, it was a real eye opening experience for him. And I think the pressure got to him a little bit. I think the pressure got to him of, you know, he saw him in some, in some drills and stuff body catching the ball. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I watched South Alabama film and saw him hand snatching balls, going up and getting balls and stuff like that. Yeah. Hopefully he'll feel more comfortable. And but that wide receiver room I think got a little bit better today. And and we'll see if um it we'll see if they figure out the wide receiver draft if they add another one. Uh because I think it's going to be difficult. I think there's some good players. I just don't know if what direction some of these teams are going to go with the shorter slider, uh, slight, I say slider, or with you know, with the weight wise, slight yeah. built uh, receivers. If and if people can figure that out, the teams that figure out about how these short, slight wide receivers are going to pan out, that'll be the team that has a pretty good draft when it comes to the wide receiver. Uh, group because there's a there's a lot of question marks over on that side and I feel like the Cowboys really helped themselves by adding a veteran like Brandon Cooks who they actually 
They know, they've seen, and now it takes a lot of the guesswork of having to maybe force something in the draft with a wide receiver. I, I think that there's a very – I think there's a slim chance the best player on their board at 26 is going to be a running back. I, I just I, – I think that the better running backs will go ahead of them, and then, like, I would just think that they'd have somebody on their board who's a higher-graded player than a running back there. They've addressed receiver, at least in the interim. They're going to hope that Michael Gallup and Jalen Tolbert find their way again. Um, we know they've addressed corner now, which was one of their big needs. Do the move the moves we've seen, these contingencies they've put in place to allow themselves to go BPA, best pick available. Right. Uh, do you think all these moves have done has increased the odds that tight end could be the pick at 26? Well, yeah, with I, I need somebody to explain to me what they're gonna do with Tyron Smith. You know, if somebody will explain to me that. Tyron Smith is going to play left tackle, then I, I think that answers some questions about what I might do at guard. But will the best player available, the BPA that mm-hmm. you're talking about, could it be a guard? And would they do that knowing that maybe Tyron Smith has one more year and they and they want to put Tyler Smith back at left guard? Me personally – I want to see Tyler Smith play left tackle. I just do. And I wonder if um, Tyler Smith is going to play left tackle until – and then we see Tyron Smith play right tackle until they get Steele back completely healthy and ready to go. Uh, I I think there's still a lot of questions over there. I, I don't know that the best player is going to be a guard on their board, a tight end a corner or a running back. I think there's a lot of a lot of options and that's the great thing about the type of offseason that they've had. Signing their own, making a couple of trades. They've left it open to where it it really is whatever player has a grade of a a 118 or a 117 or something like that, that first round grade, that's 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 going to be at least they'll have that opportunity to take that guy and feel really good about it. Brandon Cooks here. One last note before we uh, transition over. I just find this one interesting. We talk about how he's never made a Pro Bowl in his career. He has four seasons, Brian. Thousand of at yards. Least seven, no, he has six seasons of a thousand yards. He has four seasons of at least seventy-five receptions and eleven hundred receiving yards. Yeah, that is the most four seasons without being named to a Pro Bowl. That's the most in NFL history. Like I'm not talking about. You get a guy like uh, you know somebody else who's on that list, for instance. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper has two of those seasons. He's been named to a Pro Bowl before. So this isn't just players included who have made or who have never made Pro Bowls. This is putting up that kind of production and not getting a Pro Bowl bid from that production. Brandon Cooks has the most such seasons I, like in NFL history. I kind of feel like that Brandon Cooks is one of those guys. I think he now becomes one of the most traded players in NFL history. Yes. Four yeah. times. Four times. So I think that's kind of been when people think of Brandon Cooks, they think of a very talented receiver, traded often for like first round picks, one of those types of guys. But I think the thing is, like, why can't he stay with one team for any length of time? So maybe that's where people feel more about him than they do uh, say, uh, you know, that him deserving Pro Bowl uh, nods and things like that. 
He's been traded for a first-round pick a couple different times, so there, yes. there are people who like him. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You guys, I've seen it on social media. You've been enjoying Boomer Jacks just like Brian Payton and I do, uh, and we love it. We love that you guys are tagging us in your photos out there, getting some of that ice-cold beer, or getting some of those fantastic wings. They have great wing specials. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But the specials are great the other days of the week, too. It's not just about the wings. It's also about the drink specials starting at $3, the $15 buckets of beer. And that beer is some of the coldest you're going to find. They have wall-to-wall TVs, live music, great patio setups. It is just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether that's you know happy hour with the coworkers, a place to watch the game with your buddies, or just somewhere to have dinner with your family. Boomer Jacks is your spot. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, we have not had a chance to talk since uh, some other news came down. And I'll be honest, if it was if this was a couple of years ago or uh, if, if this was an instance where this player was as significant as he was at one point, maybe maybe we would have talked about it sooner. But I I don't know. I, I didn't know that there was a huge rush. Ezekiel Elliott is no longer a Dallas Cowboy, Brian. Uh, they choose to post June 1, release him, uh, and he is now uh, on the market. And, uh, you know, in search of a job, the Cowboys could not come to an agreement on a pay structure and a amount of playing time that made sense for both parties. So he has moved on. Your initial thoughts on the release of Ezekiel Elliott and uh, what the Cowboys do moving forward. Well, we all kind of felt like that uh, even before the senior bowl, like post season Mm -hmm. uh, after the playoff game, we all remember Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones at Mobile, Alabama and Jerry talking about, well, I want to keep Zeke and I want to keep Tyron. I want to keep, and then, and then you and I had some shows where we're like, well, that doesn't seem very realistic right now. And then they, it was about, okay, well, we need to have those meetings before we go to the combine and kind of figure things out. Yep. And they went and had their meetings and they figured it out. They figured out that they had to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. And, um, you know, it's this is one of those things. And I, 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 I was on 105.3 The Fan the other day whether you like Ezekiel Elliott or not, and if one of the reasons why you don't like him is because you felt like he made too much money f- for the position and how he played, mm-hmm. it's not that's not his fault. The Cowboys are the ones, the front office are the ones that paid him the money. Now, Ezekiel Elliott initially, if you want to say he's the one, and maybe I'm saying it's the wrong way, but he saved Dak Prescott's first two years in the NFL. You know, he he really did. The, the, when you look at 
his rookie year, year after. I mean, Ezekiel playing at a very high level for several years. It took a lot of pressure off Dak Prescott. I mean, it did, Dak Prescott didn't have to be the entire offense's rookie. We've seen so many rookie quarterbacks get thrown in that situation and just drowned. Mm-hmm. And I think Ezekiel Elliott, he 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 suffered for it. He suffered for it for the number of carries he got. He suffered because he wouldn't miss games. He suffered because he played through injury, you know. So say what you want about Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I feel like the money he got is the money he earned for what he did. Now, was it, you know, at the time too much? No, not then. But now, yeah, it is. So you kind of feel like, okay, Ezekiel, let me tell you this, Bobby. Ezekiel Elliott's next gig needs to be where he splits time with another running back. Yep. Because because he's figured out by him carrying the entire load, it's not gonna it's not gonna go good for him. It's just he's had too many carries already. So I think he saw what would happen with Pam and Pollard. They split time. He was able to stay fresher, you know, through games. It, it, the production wasn't there, but I tell you what, the times they handed him the ball in third and one and fourth and one and things like that, he was he was fine. You know, but it uh it, it you know, you knew it was gonna come to an end just because the amount of money and the Cowboys were the ones that signed him to that contract. Yeah, you know, the people say, Well, he held out. Well, yeah, he held out, but what happened? Cowboys caved and gave him the money, you know. Stephen Jones, I was standing right there. In Indianapolis, in a ballroom uh, at the Marriott, when he was talking about where uh, where Ezekiel Elliott's money stood, and mm-hmm. it, and he and he mentioned the name Todd Gurley. At at the time, Todd Gurley was the highest paid running back in the league with the Rams, and yep. Stephen Jones in front of me, Todd Archer, John Mashota, Calvin Watkins. Clarence Hill, Jane Slater, we all standing there watching as Stephen Jones said that. He he put himself in that corner. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's that's what they thought of the player. And so I I kind of feel like now that you know the Cowboys like, okay, we gave you this money and you earned it, but it's too much now. And they had to make that decision. And in fact, that they did. And uh guy had a hell of a career in Dallas. He really, really did. Um, you know, you look like I say, you look at what he was able to do, and I, I give him full credit for allowing Dak Prescott to at least have a chance to develop the first two or three years of his career. Okay, my turn, Brian. Is it, is it, is it, is it my turn to get yelled at now? Because I'm going to have some people yell. I had people yelling at me last week when I talked about Ezekiel Elliott. Here's here's how I view. So I was the good cop. Now you're going to be the bad uh, cop. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's how I view Ezekiel Elliott's time in Dallas. Uh, the first year he was here, he was one of the probably five to ten best players in football. Period. That year, he was great. He was incredible. Um, 2017, I didn't think he was very good. 2018, he was good again, and that was the last time we saw good football out of him. Every moment that he played on that contract, or every moment after the extension, because some of it was part of the rookie deal, every moment after that extension got done, he was playing beneath what he had told the Cowboys he was worth. And yeah, the Cowboys got the deal done, that's on them. 
But when I think of Ezekiel Elliott, I think, boy, when he was a good football player, he was a pain in the ass for them off the field consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as that ended and the maturation came, he was a pain in the ass for them on the field because he wasn't very good. And so I have less of a time feeling more glowingly about it because I'm like, man, whether it was off the field or on the field, you were not getting what you totally needed from him at any point in the seven years he was here. And when he was on, on the field, there was usually something off the field. As soon as off the field was taken care of on the field, he wasn't very good. And, and I think that when, when you look back at that, I just say it was well past time. I, 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 it was not one who thought they should have given him the the contract extension. But, man, you look at his yards per game from rookie year down, Brian. Oh, no, it, I know, I know. Well, but I know, 108.7, 98.3, 95.6, 84.8, 65.3, 58.9, a regression every sure, year of sure, his career. Sure. And so to me, I just look at it and go, I, I don't look back on it fondly so much as I, I, I have some bitterness that why did it take this long to correct this mistake? You guys let yourself sit on this contract. Because they handed, they handed him the ball like a million times. You know, and, and they shouldn't and, have. Yeah. Okay. But that's, that's a, okay. Do you, do you, do you not think him? Okay. So are you saying that I'm wrong that he helped with the early development with Dak? No, or, no, no, no. I no, And like I said, I think he was, I mean, that he took the pressure off Dak having to carry the offense by himself. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I, I think that he was, like I said, he was, really really good uh the first several years or or the first year the first that first year he was here he was great the the suspension and all that was that was bad that setting all all that headache that happened and you know all all that man that i mean he, he was never convicted of anything I mean, it was like a lady like i mean and like if you go back in in the court in an ohio court they didn't convict him of anything. Here's, here's and, what else, and the league is suspended him, and he's on, he's off, he's on, he's off. And I, I mean, hey, did he put himself in some bad situations? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, he did. And yeah. was he was he very good at the end? No, but there, by, I think it allowed, I think by his demise, it allowed Tony Pollard to get more opportunity. That's I mean oh, they yeah. would they would have kept playing they would have kept playing Zeke you know if if they could but they you're you're right they started to see the things you did that hey the yards per carrier down you know breaking tackles is down you know all those things he was becoming a declining player but they also ran him into the ground Mike McCarthy said it Mike McCarthy said it on one of those episodes of Hard Knocks. Stephen Jones is standing there, and he goes, "Gosh, you guys have given him the ball a lot, and a Stephen, lot." And Stephen kind of goes, "Uh, yeah," like he was embarrassed, you know. They, they, so Tony Pollard, I made this reference this week on 105 through the fan uh, when I was just looking through some of the numbers, trying to compare Tony Pollard's usage to Zeke's. Um, when you look at the fact that Tony Pollard has played 62 games, Brian. And over those 62 games, he has 631 touches. Ezekiel Elliott got his 632nd touch in the 26th game of his career. 
26 yeah. games, and he was already at Tony Pollard's number. And in fact, here's one of the things that uh, Pollard's been in the year for four in the league for four years. Zeke's been in it for seven. Over the next three years, if Tony Pollard gets 500 touches a year, he still will trail Zeke through seven years by 55 touches. They they Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett yeah. ran, ran him into the ground. They, they did absolutely, and and that's why what I'm hoping they've learned from this is don't ever pay somebody that you use them up that much. Like, like I think they're still willing to at least investigate what Pollard might be able to do because they've sort of kept him in bubble wrap. And and Memphis didn't use him a ton. I mean, he's never been a, a workhorse throughout his career. Zeke was used as a workhorse to the point that, Brian, the let's see, what is it? The 15 longest touchdowns of Ezekiel Elliott's career all came on his rookie deal. Yeah. All yeah. of them. That Everyone is wild. Now, now understand me when I say that. When I say they all came on his rookie deal, like there was one in 2019, which was after he got the extension, but that was still on the rookie contract. The extension years hadn't kicked in yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to me, I look at it as it's well past time. I don't really feel like business. I know some people said you're being super disrespectful. You can't be disrespectful. No, 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 no. You're not being disrespectful. The guy you're got not- his money and it was time. That's yeah, all. No, of it. it absolutely was time. The fact that Jerry Jones even thought about bringing him back at the at the at the Senior Bowl, that that even a guy like me that is apologizing for Zeke right now, is even I was surprised he said that. Now one more uh, note here before we move on to the mailbag, because uh, you already made reference, I know, to the Tyron Smith situation. Uh, and since we last talked, Tyron Smith has gotten a reworked deal from the Cowboys. So it was funny when it was first reported, it sounded it was being the language used was uh, I believe the first person reported was Tom Pelissero, and he said restructure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if this is a restructure, there's a problem because that means they're not taking a pay cut. They're just doing accounting tricks. And then, of course, Todd Archer from ESPN comes out with the report of, with the report of no, this is a reworking, not a reworking. restructure, a reworking, reworking yeah. Yeah. Uh, which basically turns a good portion of his salary into incentives uh, for playtime and playoff wins and things like that. So uh, Tyron Smith's contract uh, his cap had ultimately frees up $9.6 million with the change in his contract structure. His deal now is a one-year $6 million deal. He can make up to $17 million uh, with a lot of it in playtime bonuses. So he gets $1 million if he plays in 50% of the snaps for the year. If he plays in 55% of the snaps, he gets another million. 60, another million. And it just goes up in these increments of 5%. He gets another million all the way up to 90%. Um that to me, Brian, as we talk about what they're going to do, that to me sounds like their plan is for him to be starting in some capacity and yeah. that they're covering themselves on, we don't want to pay you if you're not going to start for us and you get hurt. And so to me, I think it still sounds like Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith is the left side of the offensive line next year. Yeah, that's that's what I – because, see, um, that's the questions I have and – I want to know where I want to know where if if you could tell me where Tyron Smith is going to play, I could tell you where Tyler Smith is going to play. You know, yep. if you could tell me those things, and um, you know, I the more I'm digging in on the draft, uh, some of those names, I uh, the guard class, I think has gotten a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't feel particularly great about taking one at 26, but. Second, third round kind of grades? Absolutely. 
absolutely. If that's something that you feel like you need to do, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in grabbing one at 26 because I kind of feel like the first, second, third guys are kind of very similar type of players right. to me. So I, I'm, I'm not interested. I might go a different direction at 26. I know a lot of people had, you know, always like these mock drafts we look at. It's always Torrance from uh, Florida, Florida as the guy. I don't think you have to pick Torrance in, at 26. I think you could grab a guy second, third, fourth rounded that, that could do the job just as well. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars an Odyssey podcast. You can get it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we go any further, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You guys, I've seen it on social media. You've been enjoying Boomer Jacks just like Brian Payton and I do, uh, and we love it. We love that you guys are tagging us in your photos out there, getting some of that ice-cold beer, or getting some of those fantastic wings. They have great wing specials. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But the specials are great the other days of the week, too. It's not just about the wings. It's also about the drink specials starting at $3, the $15 buckets of beer. And that beer is some of the coldest you're going to find. They have wall-to-wall TVs, live music, great patio setups. It is just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether that's you know happy hour with the coworkers, a place to watch the game with your buddies, or just somewhere to have dinner with your family. Boomer Jacks is your spot. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's move on now to our Dean Julia love of the star mailbag. We're going to turn things over to our dear sweet listeners for their questions. Let them control the segment now. Uh, Let's go to a first time listener. Somebody says this is going to be their first time listening to the podcast. Frankie J. And uh, Frankie wants to know who is currently the better wide receiver, Michael Gallup or Brandon Cooks. And Brian, I don't know about you. I feel 100% confident saying that at this moment, Brandon Cooks is a better player than Michael Gallup. Yeah, I think so too. And and hopefully Michael, uh, again, put all the things behind him, the knee and the off the field stuff that he was dealing with. And and hopefully he's got that all squared away. He can come into camp, the OTAs, mini camp, fresh ideas, fresh attitude and, and have be the type of player. But um, you're right. Cooks right now is a better player. Next question here from Brett Logan. He says, I feel Dallas still needs to address the linebacker position in free agency or in the draft in the first three rounds. Do you think yeah. Dallas will address linebacker early in the draft or go with a veteran free agent or both? Uh, typically, as we've seen the Cowboys will do, they a lot of times will make some sort of veteran addition to just cover themselves and then they just draft as they see fit. Um, what kind of a linebacker might be out there on the market? I don't know. I would, I would Bobby, think, Bobby Wagner's out there, but I don't think they're going to do Bobby Wagner. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's very doubtful on Bobby Wagner. That, yeah, that's I, just, that's just my, that's my gut feeling on, and I'm going to give a date March 19th. That's yeah. my gut feeling that I don't think they're going to do anything with Bobby Wagner. And so if that's the case and they do go to the draft and look, now that they've covered themselves on a a few different areas, corner receiver, or there, they've got some contingencies in place. It may give them some flexibility to take a a linebacker somewhere in the top 100. If they say, Hey, this is the best player left and we've got needs here at linebacker. um, Do you think they address linebacker somewhere in the first three rounds? Or do you think they say, look, we're going to really count on Damone Clark and Leighton Vanderesh to be our guys. I think they'd like to count on those guys, but Sanders from Arkansas, Simpson from Clemson, K 
Campbell from Iowa, kind of like guys I have in that second round uh, type of group. Now, Simpson uh, Simpson and uh, Sanders will not be in the second round, even though that's where you haven't graded. I think you know. Yeah, you both yeah. Well, we'll round. see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like we'll say, well, that's where I have them graded, but you never know how the league will see, and the league might have them higher than that. So, uh, like, if you back up in the draft, maybe those are guys. Campbell, I mentioned from Iowa. Henley, I, I think, is a, a is a really, really good player. I like uh, Henley from Washington yeah, State. Washington State. I mean, this cat can I, – I think he is really, 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 really good. Uh, me, I like – uh, we, we talked about Williams from Tulane, a little bit of a smaller guy. You know, uh, Overshone from Texas is a guy that, you know, that people have talked about a little bit. He's the opposite of Williams. I mean, he's a physical freak looking player out of Texas. But if you gave me a shot at a guy, if you gave me a shot at a guy, I would take Henley, as I mentioned, in a heartbeat from Washington State. I, I think there's something about his game. I don't ever see him coming off the field. I can see him covering. I see him the way he runs uh, sideline to sideline. He's a downhill player. He tackles really, really well. He can cover. Uh, I, I think that's that's one of those guys. When he gets picked on draft day, whether it's by the Cowboys or somebody else, when we're, we're working the draft those three days, mm-hmm. I'm going to give that team a lot of credit for knowing what they're doing with him. Now, if we look at a veteran free agent, we know that uh, Dan Quinn has pulled in some of his guys before. Should we keep an eye maybe on Deion Jones? He's a free agent. He's, I, he's not the same player he once was, but. Yeah, I. it's kind of weird with Deion Jones. I, I had somebody, I think, I I don't, man, because I asked somebody about him uh, from uh, an outside uh, scout, a couple mm-hmm. outside scouts. And I'm like, hey, is there something going on with Deion Jones and and Dan? And it kind of felt like that it wasn't very – they weren't on the same page on some stuff. Yep. Now, that was a while back. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, and I know somebody's going to quote me on this. So. Nah, nah, nah. We're, we're, but, we're, we're sticking around. But, but, you, but just this is just an idea that maybe Dan and Jones just didn't see eye to eye on some stuff. And it, things might have changed. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year now two years uh, on that. So uh, keep an eye on it, but know that if they don't do that, it may be something's there between player and coach. Next question here from Stan Spencer with some of these needs being met. Now we were just talking about how it may change up the draft plans a little bit, but with needs being met, is there a better chance of going after Bijan Robinson in the first round, even if it means going up to get him? So maybe you uh, yeah. go up spots and give up a second or something like that. Don't you, do that. You're already shaking your head. No, no, no. I don't think I Dallas to me is going to sit there and draft. They're just going to sit there and let the board come to them. Uh, they've done it in the past. I mean, it's uh, moving up is something that, yeah, it's always a possibility. But I just don't see them moving up for a running back. I, I, you know, I mean, to me, I, I look at I look at Robinson from Texas. I look at Gibbs from Alabama. I, I'm just starting to see Bobby. I, I think I've done 15. I think I've done 15 running backs. Uh, you know, evaluate him, and whether it's Robinson and Gibbs, uh, a chain from Texas A&M, Charbonneau from. Uh, UCLA. I love Macintosh from uh, from Georgia. 
uh, Roshan Johnson from Texas, Evans from uh, from Ole Miss, Spears from Tulane, Bigsby from Auburn, Gray from Oklahoma, Kendry Miller TCU, you know Tucker uh, from uh, from Illinois. I mean that, that I just I just listed like any one of those guys I listed. I'd love to have. I just love to have. I and and I don't think it. You know, you plug them in, and and I went all the way down to the fifth round for you right there. You know, I went. You know, I, I've. It's just, it's just a really, really deep draft, and so I don't see them going up. But if one of them were to fall at a certain spot, I would not be surprised at all uh, that 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 they grab one. Question here from Chris Hodnett: Given the state of the tight end market. Is there a chance Dallas resigns Dalton Schultz? Ah, everybody's coming around now. I'm asking those questions. I've asked on a couple different platforms, whether it's DallasCowboys.com, Draft Show, uh, Cowboys Break, even my own show. And uh, you know, everybody's kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. I I want to think that probably the water uh, is under the bridge on that one. I I want to I want to think that. Maybe that with Dalton Schultz didn't end the way that Dalton Schultz thought it should have ended. The way, you know, I think the Cowboys are looking at it as, you know what, that's fine. You know, go ahead and go move on. I should never say never, but I just feel like the, that that's now kind of water under the bridge uh, for uh, for Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I think that um... – I, I just I believe that he would be ready to and he loves Dak Prescott. I think he loves his teammates. I, I think he's he's got really good chemistry. But I think Dalton feels like if he needs to go out there and do a one year prove it deal or or you know, just kind of yeah. go out there and do something different. I don't think he wants to do that with Dallas after yeah. they franchised him and then limited his usage. Uh ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported on Sunday on Sports Center said that there are a lot of people who like Dalton Schultz right now, and the complicating factor is nobody's really wanting to spend big money on the position. Yeah. So even though he's somebody, it's because that, yeah, I mean, and, and like you say, we like, yeah. well, I mean, what do we want to spend now? He one of the things he brought up because you could go sign a one year deal, reset your market, go back out there next year. He brought up an interesting name, Brian. What about uh, what about he he goes to Cincinnati, plays with Burrow, get his get yeah, his number. Yeah. Year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, we we what Hayden Hurst, right? In Hayden yeah. Hurst, yeah. I mean, look what yeah, it, it's super that's the thing about Joe. Joe gets you the ball. You know, I I I, I there's I, I could say there's two positions that <laughs> that I feel like these guys that are on the street right now, if you're a tight end or you're a running back, you better sign right now if you can. Don't yeah. be waiting around. Because what's going to happen is in two weeks, these pro days are going to be done. And all these scouts are going to come back to their, their team's headquarters and they're going to start working on the draft. And they're not going to worry about free agency anymore. And they're going to have 15 names at tight end. And they're going to have 15 names at running back that people are going to like, well, Dalton Schultz. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I really do like the, uh, I really do like this, uh, this, this kid strange from, from Penn State, you know, yeah. I really think he's a really good player. Oh, how about how about uh, this Kuntz from Old Dominion? I kind of like right. him. I like What's him. A, how about a, Kuntz? Oh, Kuntz. Okay, gotcha. yeah, that's I. You know what I said? Yeah, no, Bobby, no, don't, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> but Kuntz, how about Allen from Clemson? You know, 
Latu yeah. from Alabama. I just named off four or five first round, uh, excuse me, fourth, fifth round guys. You know, that's not to mention uh, Schoomaker from uh, 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 Schoomaker from Michigan, Kraft from South Dakota State, Laporta from Iowa, all third round guys. All right, here we go. They're still, you know, how about Kincaid, Musgrave, Washington? These are all really good players. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. These teams are going to go back in their rooms and they're not going to have time for expending a bunch of money on a Dalton Schultz or an Ezekiel Elliott. Those guys had better get in camps as soon as they can. The money's going to dry up because it, the, the, the teams are going to say, we can, we can just draft these guys. That does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast. We'll be back with you guys two more times this week, hopefully with some more updates on what the Cowboys are planning to do and some additional draft conversation for you. Until next time, we will talk to you guys later.